0: And so we we try to put ourselves in a position where uh, even if we're rolling the dice, it always comes up uh, sixes. Welcome to We're
1: Only Human, a podcast focused on blending research and practical advice to help today's HR, talent, and learning leaders improve business outcomes. Let's welcome your host, Ben Eubanks. This has been Eubanks. Welcome to We Are Only Human. Good to have you here today. So... Woo, goodness. It has been a great spring conference season. Yes, I'm aware that it's in the summer and it bled over a little bit this this year, uh, a little bit further than usual it seems like, but it's, it's been a really great speaking season, conference season, and now settled into the office, getting some work done for the next uh, next little while, next few weeks at least, before getting back out on the road, thank goodness. Have had so many fun opportunities to speak in front of HR and talent and learning professionals and just love being there in that medium, that format. It's just, it's a joy for me. We're actually just booking workshops and other events in the fall and, and I'm, I'm pumped about those as well. So one of the other things our team is doing at Lighthouse is we're doing some really interesting research. So we're actually digging into compensation, practices and technologies. If you or someone on your team focuses on tech, sorry, focuses on compensation, then reach out to us. You can reach us at lhra.io slash contact. That's our contact page on the website. Um, I'll drop that again in a minute because there's another thing we'll talk about, but we'd love to share the research with you for free, giving you everything that you want to see in exchange for a private conversation with you about your own challenges and practices on the compensation side. We have a limited number of slots for that one, but if you want to have a talk with us about it and get that research, we'd be more than happy to give that to you. Additionally, we're also working on some new research for employers with less than a thousand employees. So if you are on the HR team for a company that has less than a thousand people, the same goes for you. You can reach out lhra.io slash contact, and we will share with you all the research about how you match up against other firms in your industry uh, in terms of how much technology you're using or what kinds of technology you're using, the HR to employee ratio at your company, like all those things will give you insights on that and how you stack up against everyone else in exchange for having a short conversation with us and our research team about what you're doing there what your challenges are and and what your practices are so lots of fun if you want to check us out uh, that link will be in the show notes as well now for today's today's discussion the number one challenge in recruiting that i always hear and honestly i've experienced this myself is finding qualified people right what if you had a method that could give you a steady pipeline of high quality candidates and then you could create a blueprint, right? That just walks someone else through that process so your team can be talking with and continuously qualifying candidates all the time. So it's ready right when you need it. Wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be fun? Well, in today's interview we're going to hear an amazing conversation with Paul Shane. He's a talent acquisition ninja wizard, you know, sorcerer whatever you want to call him. He's amazing over at Northwestern Mutual, and they have a really neat approach that they use to do this. And he's willing to just open his playbook, share those things with us. And I I love the conversation. I have like three pages of notes from this, and I learned a lot, and I know you will as well. Before we jump in and get really heavy on this, I, I want to throw a funny story in. Right? I, I can't help myself. Here's a little bit of levity, and then we'll jump into the really hard-hitting content and everything else. I once hired a guy who forgot to wear pants. Almost hired a guy that forgot to wear pants. So I was working for a government contract at the time. We were submitting a proposal to the government with a list of the candidates we would hire if we won the contract. And I had gone through, and this was a really, really hard to fill role. And I mean, not not software engineer hard to fill, but even harder than that. There were seven people in the entire world that could do this job that we were looking for. And I talked to all seven of them. And we had one of them coming on our team. We had another one that was a tentative. And I was talking to all of them and a third person popped up on the radar and I connected with him, talked to him a little bit. He was a second tier candidate, not quite you know, top level, but he was a good good guy, had some of the experience. And so maybe next time or maybe a backfill. So I was going to put him in just as a, a backup candidate in the, in the proposal for the government. And so we, we slotted his name in there and I was like, hey, next time this comes up, I want to be able to reach out to him. So I went to connect with him on LinkedIn. So I searched his name on Google, Danny so-and-so. And there's his LinkedIn profile, number two, second result, right under result number one. Danny So-and-So arrested for indecent exposure, and his last name was very, very distinctive. It was not, it was not Smith. It was something very specific, and I was like, uh uh-oh. So I clicked through just to double check, and yes, the guy had been arrested for. Forgetting to wear pants to the grocery store. And I don't know how it happens, but uh, it did. And so that was um, one of the reasons he was on the market as a candidate. And I found that out. And I can still picture in my head, I realized this. You know, you just see the blood drain from my face. If you can visualize this, I get up, I run. I don't walk, I run down the hall because my CEO, my boss is about to submit this proposal that day. And I just found this out and I'm like, please do not let this go out with his name on it because it's a small community. And everyone would know, hey, if we submit this guy, we are clueless about this space. We don't know what's going on. So I ran down the hall, please you know, stop, pull the name out. Here's what happened. Ooh, sigh of relief. We got it out without, without his name being in there. And we ultimately won the project. So it was all a, a huge win for me on the recruiting side, but it was almost a biggest failure. So anyway, interesting, funny story. I love sharing that one. The time I almost hired a guy that forgot to wear pants. And then after that, every time we found a good candidate and we're talking with the hiring managers, they're like, yeah, 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 they've got good skills, but do they wear pants? That became our our threshold for whether someone was worthy of being hired at the company or not. So fun story. Again, everybody's got their own fun stories. Hey, shoot some in. Hit me on Twitter, at Ben Eubanks, on LinkedIn, Ben Eubanks. You can reach out uh, if you want to share one of those. I'd love to hear some of those. It'd be fun to do an episode where we share some funny recruiting stories like that. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that. And now on with the show. Hey everyone, this
2: is Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human, and so glad to have you here today. I, you know me, one of my favorite things to talk about is talent acquisition, recruiting, just finding the next great person. And it seems like the conversation keeps getting hotter based on the job market and how hard it is to find talent. Um, a lot of good friends actually in the, in the local area are recruiting for recruiters because they're trying to staff up and find those people. So it's a conversation, a challenge, a problem a lot of companies are having. And I actually had a chance a few months ago at an event and um, was chatting with a gentleman who had some really phenomenal ideas. I'm going to blow it up really big, set it up really good for this one. Uh, Some really great ideas, interesting approaches, things like that. And I of course, was like, hey, would, this is a great conversation. I wish we'd recorded this. Would you be willing to come on the podcast so we can share some of these things? And he said, absolutely, so gracious. And so today we have Paul Shane. He's the, dire- the Senior Director of Talent Acquisition and Onboarding at Northwestern Mutual, and he's going to share some of his ideas and stuff with us today. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I give everybody your title, senior, di- senior Director of TA and Onboarding, but tell us a little more about who you are and what you do
0: yeah, so uh, my role here at Northwestern Mutual is uh, I lead a team that um, really kind of sets the the strategy and creates a lot of the the, the you know the tools and resources and uh, around how do we attract uh, talent to Northwestern Mutual specifically within all of our our um, our field based roles. So these are financial advisors and wealth management advisors and, and and things like that. And so how do we attract talent into the organization and then the onboarding part of my job title is, how do we um, get them off to a, a fast and productive start within our organization? And we take a little different view of onboarding where it's not just the first day or the first hour or an orientation. Onboarding at Northwestern Mutual really kind of encompasses what happens to the advisor's first five years in, in the business. And so I, um, you know, my team and I support everything from how they first heard about the company and the opportunities that we have to when they graduate into their fifth year um, as a uh, um, you know, a, as a as an organization tied to Northwestern Mutual.
2: Awesome. We, that's that is really unique, actually, to hear that because it seems like either TA onboarding are kind of split. You know, hey, okay, we've handed you off, and now we'll go back to looking for other people. But I have a good friend that has a similar kind of view of the world, and she, as a recruiter, always stays in touch with those people after they come on because. You know, hey, if they stick around for two years and leave, you're like, you know, at least you know those things. You tap into that. But those people that, that just hand it off, they don't. So you have a different kind of insight, I would say, into how well you're doing on the recruiting front, what sort of, I don't know. I think it's interesting that those things are, are kind of melded together. So I, I love that. Hmm. Um, so let me ask you a question. You're doing this every day. And obviously we just heard you lay it all out there. You've got a lot of responsibilities on your plate. What are the biggest challenges that you and your team are facing today on the TA front?
0: Yeah, there, there's a few different things I think that are out there, and um, you know some of them are, are more cyclical in nature, and some of them I think are what I would say are ever present so uh, obviously the, the the job market right now um, with unemployment rate, I think I saw last at a fifty year low um, just announced a couple weeks ago with the latest jobs report um, the The competition for talent is really high, so us, like everybody else, is how do we find really good talent, um, how do we get them to be intrigued with? Our opportunities, when we know that they're getting um, pinged left and right with many other opportunities, um, whether they're seeking it out or not, um, there's, there's a lot of choice out there for the job seeker. And even for the passive candidate, there's a lot of choice. And so a lot of that comes down to, you know, how do we find the individuals and how do we make um, or educate them on the relevance of our opportunity to what they see for themselves and what aligns well with their uh um, their career choice. So I think that's one of the areas of of um, of, of, of challenge that uh, we're spending a lot of time on. A, a second area is related to. Um You know, most organizations are trying to diversify their workforce up and down within the organization. Everything from trying to bring on more diverse interns to more diverse senior leaders within the organization. And uh, Northwestern Mutual is no different on that front, too. And so uh, how are we um, attracting and uh, and onboarding um, uh, diverse talent within our organization? And I think the third one um, that's out there is... Um, There's been a lot of technology improvements within the talent acquisition um, uh, industry basically over the last, I'll say, five, six years as we're seeing more artificial intelligence as branding and marketing of, of the employee value proposition, the career brand, company brand. Um, You know, more advancements within applicant tracking systems and bolt-on tools to the applicant tracking systems. And and it seems like every day I'm getting a phone call from a, you know, from a a provider who has the next best thing, you know, in, in their words. And so trying to you know, cut through some of that noise and, and understanding what are some of the technologies that we think could be additive to our overall environment and which ones are, are maybe a little too early to be uh, prime time. And so I think that's another thing that we're, we're wrestling with, just given the, the pace of innovation that's now hit talent acquisition.
2: Hmm. When I see you in Denver in a few weeks, I'll have to Get you aside to that third one and, and talk about that a little bit, because I'd love to hear from someone that's on the receiving end of all those those calls about hey, we've got the next best thing since sliced bread, right? Right here, ready for you. Because I hear I hear about that from the vendor side a lot. But I don't hear about it as often from the practitioner side. But I'd love to talk through. Um, like that first one you talked about, you know, finding candidates, educating them, like that is the hardest thing. Every stat, every survey I've seen in the last few years, every piece of research that we've done, the number one challenge on the TA front is around finding good quality candidates. You know, it all just comes down to let's get enough people in the door and tell them about us, and we can usually sell them pretty well once we find them and talk to them, but until then, it's it's all you know, just a roll of the dice, it feels like. And so I'd love to hear or for you to share a little bit because, I've, again, I've got the preview of this a little bit already. You have a unique approach to this, right? Your team takes an interesting approach. Um, and I'd love for you to share more about how you approach sourcing and talent engagement, how you connect with those people, because I think it's really an interesting way of, of looking at the process and doing it very systematically versus kind of ad hoc. Um, like a lot of us have these, these, well, this worked for me one time. Let's try it again, maybe. But you have a very systematic approach to this. I'd love to hear for you to share some of those things, explore that a little bit.
0: No, a- absolutely. And uh, you set me up well by calling uh, rolling the dice. And uh, mm-hmm. and so we, we try to put ourselves in a position where uh, – even if we're rolling the dice, it always comes up uh, sixes, and uh, um, so that uh, using that as a uh, um, uh, using that as kind of a, a background, um, where I'd like to kind of look at this is, you know, if you think about back in uh, late 90s and 2000s, um, I kind of dubbed that that decade as more of a lot of the development that was taking place was uh, how do you, you know, how do you get, how do you find talent? And so you see um, the job boards becoming of age at that point. You see LinkedIn um, and other um, social media tools being used to kind of find talent. And um, and, the, and the sales pitch back at the time from a lot of those providers is we have we have access to talent that you can find on your own, so use us. Um, I've, um, over the last few years, been actually far less focused on how do you find talent, because I think right now it's actually pretty easy to, to find talent out there. But how do you engage that talent, and how do you find out to, how to connect the value proposition of what you're offering in your company or career to what's important to them? And, um, and that's really the crux of some of the development that we've been doing here over the last couple of years is we've uh, we've taken a, a much more I'll, I'll call it candidate-centric approach to to um, recruiting, and it starts always on the front end of sourcing um, of talent. And so, uh, you know, to to get away from some of the philosophical there into a, a live example, is um, how do you uh, understand the candidate and what's important to them, and then turn that into informing how you go about sourcing and selecting that talent. So let let me give you a very specific example of something we're doing. So we have um, a number of folks that come into our industry Actually, out of the education industry, um, it's just it, you know that people leave the teaching careers, and uh, and uh, a lot of that we've brought over into our career over the years have been incredibly successful within our organization. And so we decided we wanted to make that a bigger part of our of our recruiting strategy. And so what we did is we started uh, by doing a lot of uh, I'll say a lot of research. And, and I know when I say research, a lot of folks will get worried about, you know, are you pulling tons of data and things like that? And honestly, our research was more conversation-based. So we met with individuals who had come over to our organization in the last three or four years from academia. Um, We met with individuals who are currently in academia who are willing to talk to us about this. And, And some of the questions we asked were things like, why do people leave academia? You know, what are the reasons for that? When do they typically leave? Is it based upon the calendar year? Is it based upon a certain tenure? Um, when they do leave, where do they typically go, and why? You know, what what about that industry or that profession is appealing to them? Um, you know, just kind of getting all that all that insights. And of course, you have to get enough, you have to have enough of those conversations that you can spot patterns. And um, and so, anyways. We did a lot of that research and and spotted some patterns that we recognized for folks coming out of the you know, out of academia and uh, and then we built that actually into our our sourcing and our our selection strategy so we actually put together a guide um, that we you know ha- give out to all of our recruiters around here 's how you attract talent from this profession and in there is a lot of those insights and you know everything from Here's the, here's the language you use if you're sending a communication. Here's um, you know, here's the parts of our value proposition that this individual is more likely to respond favorably to because that's something that's either a pain point for them and or something they're seeking that maybe they're just not getting from their industry, and so on and so forth throughout, throughout the process. So I, I think the important thing is it's not a – it's not a guide of how do we sell people that this is a good opportunity for them. It's a guide of how do you understand the individual you're trying to to recruit and what's important to them and then connecting those parts with things that we feel are the value proposition of our different careers and company align with really, really well. And at the end of the day what that means is hopefully the individual on the other end of the phone or at the end of the email that's getting that, that, that message from us is saying, oh, okay, I see how this resonates with me in where I am in my place right now, and I can see how this would be a, a good move for me to make. So we've actually seen the number of folks in academia coming to our organization increase because of the fact that we've adjusted our how we communicate with those individuals early on, and and how we continue to engage them in the selection process. So Ben, that's just just a very specific example of how we're using I'll call insights into the into the certain talent pools to um, to increase the likelihood that those individuals will will see this as a as a viable option and really relevant to what they're looking for in the next step in their career.
2: So tell me more about, I'm kind of curious, how all do you segment, right? You mentioned teaching like that's a profession. Do you also look at maybe industries? Do you look at certain backgrounds? What other sorts of ways do you segment to try to create these guides for your team?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say there's probably three primary ways that we segment. Um, One is by um, industry. Um, if we feel that an industry is is, is particularly relevant um, one LC is by profession and so something that cuts across industries Um... And I would say a third is we've even gotten sometimes as specific as individual companies, and um, and I, I know that may be uncomfortable for some folks to hear, um, especially if 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 your company was on the receiving end of a lot of uh, targeted uh, marketing from an organization trying to recruit your talent away. But we do the same thing when we just talk to a specific company, and so we know that um, you know for example I'll, I'll use one for an industry. So if it, if an industry is disrupted, and um, and we realize that hey there is Whatever, whether it be economic forces or labor market forces or whatever the case may be, is is causing that company, that industry, that profession to be potentially disrupted. Um, we we will evaluate that as an option to say, hey, is there is there talent within that particular segment that we feel would be of, of value to our organization? And if we feel there's enough of an addressable audience, then we'll spend the time to get to know that audience a little better, educate our our um, our recruiter force on, on that group and then um, let them go. And, um, and so we've now you know, developed quite a few of these different industry and profession and company guides that we use to really inform our overall recruiting. And to be honest with you, one of the other neat things about this is, if you think about it, relevance to a candidate... Um, sometimes is is based upon what's going on in their life right now. And so it could be personal, it could be professional, um, but there's another thing that comes into play that we found pretty interesting, and it's, it's the idea of timing. So it's not just having the right message to the right audience. The other, the, the, the third leg of that stool is, is at the right time. And so we've really asked a lot of questions around, again, when do people leave? Why do they leave at those times? Is it based upon a cyclicality? So for example... Um, we recruit a lot of accountants, and we learn that accountants, um, if they're going to leave, especially if they're in public accounting, they tend to start getting um, uh, interested in looking at other opportunities the day after busy season ends, because they they finish up and they say, you know, I cannot go through another one of those again. I need to find something else that I, I can do. and um, And so there's a window of time for two or three months after usually April 15th where um, accountants are a little bit more disruptive disrupted than they would be in any other time during the year. So that's an example of timing and how sometimes we will actually not use some of that insights for certain parts of the year because we realize it doesn't make sense for us to reach out to the audience because whatever message we share is not going to be received at that time. But then we will hit that market hard um, when, uh, when we know that they're more likely to, to respond favorably to an outreach from our team. I love
2: this because I'm thinking about this from the candidate perspective, right? think about this from the person on the receiving end of this communication. This feels very different than getting another cold in-mail from someone saying, look at our great job. We're a great company. Just just come work for us. And this feels different because you're, you're approaching them at a time that probably matters most to them with a message that matters most to them, potentially talking about things that matter most to them, and that feels different as a candidate. It's good to feel wanted, but it's even better to feel wanted when someone you feel like the person really cares enough to understand your situation. And it, I would imagine those conversations, it's not quite as good as a, a referral, but it's better than just a cold outreach of, you know, let's cross our fingers and hope this person will take the call because once, you, once you've reached them and talked to them, oh, hey, I know you just got finished this, or this is kind on of your horizon, you're thinking about these things probably because you built this really great persona and you understand the, the audience really well, I have to imagine those conversations are much more productive and fruitful in terms of conversions, everything else, than just the, the cold outreach. And again,
0: roll the dice. I guess
2: keep going back to that one, but um, it has. To yeah, be more-
0: no, I, 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 yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think um, you know, if I think about this, it's these these principles that we're using here are, are not new principles. They've been used in the in the um, consumer marketing um, industry forever. I mean, if you think about you're watching TV, and why do you, you know, food and restaurant commercials come around right around 4:30 in the afternoon. I mean, they're they're giving you a you know a deliberate message at an opportune time to try to elicit a positive response. And we're just taking the same principle. And instead of someone buying a product or going to a restaurant to eat their dinner, we're just applying it to someone looking to make a career change, whether they know at that moment they're interested in, in an opportunity um, or or they're passive. And um, yeah, so we're just we're just we're stealing some really good. Uh, concepts that we saw we see within marketing and um, and and applying them to the recruiting space
2: awesome awesome, I love this so I want to ask you one last question before we get to the get to the finish and wrap up and find out how someone can connect so I want to ask you you gave us lots of pieces of advice today, lots of walking through your, your practice, being very open with your playbook and your approach and your how you lead your team, I'd love for you to share, like, a piece of practical advice, and it could be one you've already shared or something else that you haven't yet, but a piece of practical advice that someone can take and say, you know, tomorrow I can give this a shot or tomorrow I can at least really start working towards, you know, prototype of this or whatever else. What advice would you offer the other TA leaders that are listening to this?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, the if, if you take a step back and you look at what I've shared so far, you could – get a little bit overwhelmed by the complexity of that, uh, of of what I was talking about. And I think where that complexity comes in for a lot of folks is you know, they're sitting back and looking at all the recs they filled last year and saying, oh my, I've recruited accountants and marketing people and HR people and finance people and sales people and and engineers and and where do I start? Because I can't segment across all of those. And so that's where it could could feel almost overwhelming. And so what I would recommend is is honestly what, what we did. Is, is we started with one audience. We, you know and, and it could be either I want to attract more of these people in, um, so let's say those in the military uh, or transitioning military or veterans as an example. Or you could say what is a critical role within my organization now that we always seem to have recs open for? Or, or, and or when these recs pop up, they're insanely critical roles because of the value these, these, these positions create. And I would just start there. And, um, and then once you have that role identified um, or that industry that you want to recruit folks from or whatever that segment is identified, and then, then uh, get, put together your list of, of questions and do a little bit of the research. And, again, the research doesn't have to be a three- or four-month process. For a lot of our – we talked to between, you know, 15 and 25 people. And, uh, and we, got, we found enough patterns in that that we felt comfortable – that we could put together some some insights based upon those patterns, and then you know as time goes on we we validate those and if we find that that um, the pattern we identified is actually just a localized pattern or only with this audience of people then we will we will adjust and so um, I think one thing that we we like to do is is our our insights on these different segments are are dynamic um, we are we are evolving them. Um, as we learn more, and um, and so that they're always going to be hopefully even relevant to the to the talent we're looking at. So again, back to your question, uh, Ben, around how do you, you know where do you start? Um, what's the practical advice? I would say start small, get one or, or two segments or, or roles identified, do a little bit of research, and um, and then go from there. And if you if you like the results you see, then then you can start taking on. More roles or more segments as you go out. So that would be my practical advice: just to start small and and not invest a lot of time to at least get yourself moving. And I think what you're going to find is that um, a lot of your recruiters will feel will feel excited about this because they feel like they're not to you know Ben your point earlier they're not just cold emailing or cold calling a candidate. They're they're you know they're approaching them with something that hopefully that person will find value in because of the insights they've gathered through some of the research you've done, and it just it changed even the confidence level of recruiters when they're reaching out to folks, because um, they don't feel like they're trying to sell the person. And, and so I think there's not only how does how does the candidate respond to it, but also how does how how confident does the recruiter feel when they're when they're um, sharing some of that uh, that insight with the candidate. So that that would be my uh, real practical advice.
2: Excellent. That is phenomenal, and I love it. Um, So if someone wants to connect with you, um, learn more about what you guys are up to, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yeah, probably the best way is... yeah, uh, via um, LinkedIn. And so actually I have my contact information out on LinkedIn and my profile is out there. Again, the name is Paul Shane at Northwestern Mutual. And so anyone who wants to contact me via there or um, actually just look at my contact information and, and send me an email or give me a call, I'm happy to respond and, uh, and share what information I can.
2: Make sure the link to your LinkedIn profile is in the show notes so people can check that out and follow up with you there. This has been so much fun. Again, I I got a version of this um, a few months ago when we met face-to-face, and I actually today was taking a lot of notes in the conversation because back then I was kind of dumbstruck and didn't even write anything down. So today I took a ton of notes and just loved this conversation. Paul, I really appreciate you joining us for the show. Absolutely, and happy hunting, everybody. Awesome. To everybody else, this has been We're Only Human. I've been Eubanks, your host, and we'll catch you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to We're Only Human. Please take a moment to share this episode with another HR leader who might see it as a valuable resource in their daily work. For more information about the podcast and to see all our show archives, please visit upstarthr.com.